this study. Yeah, no, no, no. Somebody say, aww. <laughs> this, this was such a hard-hitting book, wasn't it? Hard-hitting book. Um, and the message was always, I wish this guy was here for this message. <laughs> no, no, no. It was for us, right? For everybody that was listening. Hard-hitting book. And here we go. We're, we're going to end it. Verses 19 to 20. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. My brothers, if one of you should wonder from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this building that you provided for us in order for us to all gather together. We thank you for keeping us safe with your sovereign hand, Lord God, allowing us to be here despite the weather and the road conditions. We thank you, Father, for prompting us, letting us, making you our priority for the day. We thank you for the songs that we were able to sing. We thank you for our health, our loved ones, the relationships that you've allowed for us to have. We thank you for our careers, our jobs, our businesses. And now, Father God, we thank you for another opportunity for us to learn from your word. We pray for your Holy Spirit, Lord God, to guide us this afternoon. Reveal to us everything that we need to know, Father God, according to your will. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins, for our sins are many. We thank you for your grace and mercy that is new every morning. Help us, Father God, receive your word with a humble spirit and a humble heart. Open our minds, Lord God, and make us understand what your message is. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Like I said, we're going to be ending the book of James, which we entitled, I entitled Radical Change, a change from the inside out. It's not a, 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 just a vocal or verbal change or words by, uh, change by words, merely by words, but a change from the inside out and a faith in action. There's been a lot of things that has been revealed to us through the book of James. And again, unlike the Apostle Paul, if you've been, if you've been reading a lot of Paul's letters, James did not end his letter like Paul. You know, Paul would end it with a benediction. He'll say, my prayers go out to you, my brothers and sisters, whichever letter he went to. Then he tell, tells them about his travel plans. I'm going to be going here and I'm going to be going there. Or sometimes he gives a shout out. He gives a high five and, to all the people that helped him. But no, not James. James just says, my brothers, if one of you should wonder from the truth and someone should bring him back, gives us another action about our faith. Faith in action is James. Isn't that crazy? I think he's just, he, he, he just, if you review what you studied there, he says, I told you about trials and temptations. I told you how to listen and how to do things. I told you not to have favoritism. I told you about faith without works is dead. I told you about taming your tongue. I told you about 
about two kinds of wisdom. I told you about submitting yourselves to God. I told you not to boast about tomorrow. I told you about uh, the rich oppressors, that you should be patient in suffering, that you should be praying, and now apply it. That's what he's saying. Now apply it. Now, the context is someone being, someone, someone wandering from the truth. I have some questions here for us. Have you ever been lost? All right? If you, if you are a driver, probably, right? If, you, if you've gone to California quite a bit. Now, it's, a, it's quite a frightening experience. Not so much about missing a turn or an exit, but, you know, that feeling of being lost, that you don't have a clue where you really are. And then the fear that you have, that when you turn around, you don't even know where to turn back. You know that feeling? That feeling. Hold on to that feeling. And let me share to you when my brother and I got lost separately. When we were younger, when my, my younger brother, his name's JP, he, 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 was, he got lost when he was eight. And it um, was full of drama, you know, it was... He was lost for a whole, my mom lost him for a whole day until, until the evening. She, she lost him in the, in the market. So it was so shocking. This was before inter- internet. For those of you who are, are, are 20 and below, you don't know what, our, do you know what a radio is? <laughs> so my mom had to go to the public radio and Jamie and I were, were there at home with, our, with uh, a friend of ours. And we, we heard my mom's voice saying, yeah, my son, he's eight, he's wearing a red shirt. And he starts crying. And then Jamie and I were also crying. Ah, you know. Anyway, it was quite full of drama. It was so dramatic. Now compare that when I got lost when I was six. There was no drama. There was no crying. When my mom finally found me, I got scolded. Because my fo- cousins saw me and decided to keep me at their ho- house, and then my mom got mad about that. But she also lost me in the market. But here's another question. What would you do if you lost something very precious to you? Now think about it carefully. Or remember when it happened to you the last time. Now if it were your car keys, you turned the couch over, right? And then you called everyone else. Now, if it were your wallet, and then you remember you, the last time you had it was at the supermarket, you'd drive there, you call there, you were in a panic, right? Or if it were a jewelry, if you lost a jewelry, and, and then you knew you had a guest, a friend of a friend, and now you're thinking, hmm. <laughs> now, if it were your child, you called the proper authorities, right? Amidst the panic. I entitled our message this afternoon, Search and Rescue Mission. Search and Rescue Mission. Because James decided to end his letter with another faith in action, directive to the people of the Lord, to the people who claims to be followers of Jesus Christ. What do we do when someone we love strays from the truth? 
Now, there, when we say straying or wandering, it means there's, there's a beginning point. And that beginning point says that's the truth, right? Because it's wandering from the truth, straying from the truth. So that's what the, the context of James is, that a brother or a sister in Christ is wandering, driving away, going away from the truth. It's a problem that we, we face as a church, as a Christian family. If you belong to a Christian family, if you are a Christian, this is something that you always would face. Sometimes it's celebrities, celebrity Christians that, we, that have carried the name of Christ that we follow dearly to and admired. And all of a sudden we see an Instagram post saying, I no longer follow Jesus Christ. So it affects us, right? So what do we do? James gave us the answer. God, through James, gave us the answer in what we're supposed to do. So we have three points this afternoon. First point, the three S's. Straying from the truth, search and rescue, saving the strayer. Straying from the truth. Now clearly, James is speaking of other Christians because the address of brothers and sisters. It's a familiar address, right? If one should wonder, no, wonder. The, the Greek word for wonder is planao. So it's where we get planet. So it says here, it's to cause to roam from safety, from the truth, or virtue, to go astray, to be deceived. Now, unfortunately, we can, we can or have gone astray ourselves in the past or maybe yesterday. <laughs> or from time to time, unfortunately, unfortunately we and, and our brothers and sisters would go astray from the truth, the truth of teaching, the clear teaching, the clear directive, the clear command of God to us, His people. Because sometimes the flesh overpowers the spirit. Now in Proverbs 14, 12, it says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. We all know, all of us who have sinned against God, we all know the feeling of that, right? Now what we thought was going to give us the ultimate happiness so we take it, we took a sip of it, we ingested it, we swallowed it, and then all of a sudden it's killing us. It wasn't, it didn't deliver what it promised. Now the world operates against the will of God. We have been warned by our Lord Jesus Christ that in this world, we Christians, followers of, of Jesus Christ, will have trouble. In this world, we will have trouble. Why? Because if we identify like Christ, if the world hated me, it will hate you. That's what Jesus said. And it falls with everything that we do in our lives. It comes with everything that, com that, that we do in our lives. This is why Jesus said, Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, 
but the flesh is weak. Now, we all have the propensity to wander, to stray, to sin. Prayer is how we ask God for help. We humble ourselves and plead with Him to help us. And then we admit that we can't do it. And mind you, we truly cannot do it without constant, fervent, clear surrender in our prayers. Now, we know that this is true. But despite that, at times, because the sin, the sin has already been very attractive to us. Right? Remember in James 1.14, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. My temptations are not like your temptations and vice versa. We don't all necessarily share the same one. This is why we can all easily wander away from the truth. Because of the attraction of that temptation is special to each of us. Remember Eve? When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took some of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband with her and he ate. Look at the verse there. Genesis 3, 6. 3, 6. What's 3, 6? 6, 6, 6. That's the point. It's closing prayer. Okay. <laughs> I'm just playing. But isn't it a coincidence? 3, 6. What's the point? We're all tempted. And when we look at the temptation long enough, all the more it becomes tempting. All the more it becomes delicious. All the more it becomes alluring. And then when we fall, even before we fall, we've already started to justify, you know. Oh, come on, it's only one time. And then we start accepting it. You know, I truly deserve it anyway. I mean, I made that money. I mean, I'm tired. I've given the most of my life to them. Why not me this time? Wandering from the truth that God has clearly told us about the specific thing that is tempting us becomes watered down because the temptation now becomes more important and more attractive than God himself to us. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should, if one of you should wonder from the truth, what truth? What truth? Think of a list of sins that the world have accepted and the Lord is completely against it that you are very well aware of. Think about them in your list quietly. Right? Well, now, again, maybe that's the problem. Is there not enough knowledge of the truth from the straying brother and sister? That's why they end up wandering from the truth. Is there not enough knowledge of the truth? Was there not enough studying of the word? Was there not enough intimacy was the importance of reading and studying the word of god was it not the person's priority 
wandering from the truth. Remember 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17? All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The only way that we can actually realize that we are lost, right? What's the worst thing when you're lost? It's not realizing that you are, right? You're driving three hours down, and you thought you were heading to California. I'll share you. I just came to mind. I didn't have it in my notes, but my brother-in-law, Ian, drove to California with my father-in-law, Gigi, and my mother-in-law, Early, along with my sister-in-law, Anime. They were going to Sacramento, and they were going to eat Max's chicken and everything else that's available there. They were driving down 80, and uh, somebody said, hey, let's use the restroom real quick. So Ian took an exit, used the restroom there, gassed up, went back to the freeway. About an hour and a half in, my father-in-law said, wow, I can't believe there's Boomtown in, in Sacramento, too. <laughs> <laughs> What's the worst thing other than being lost is not knowing that you are lost. <laughs> he took the 80 east again instead of going west. <laughs> no, I, I, that's one illustration, and there's another illustration here in my notes here. There's, there's a... <laughs> in order for the bank tellers to recognize what the counterfeit bill is, they were trained, or they are being trained, with the real, with the genuine bill. They are to familiarize themselves with how it feels, how it looks, every detail about it, in order that the time that they get a fake bill... They already know just by the touch. This is similar to every Christian, similar to our Christian faith. The Bible is the one that you put everything against. This is your blue light. If the world is suggesting something to you or is telling you that this is how you're supposed to live, you are to put the Word of God in high, like a blue light. Let the word of God shine through that whatever teaching or whatever lifestyle that the world is trying to tell you. Because that's what it's for. It's good for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. You know, going back to me when I was lost, I'll explain to you why there was no drama. Now, I was six. Right? That's my first excuse. And my mom, we were in the market in the Philippines, the wet market. You know, it's not like how your market, how our market here is in Rayleigh's. You know, you have aisle one, two, three, eight. In the Philippines, it's different. It's outside. It's wet. It stinks. You know, there's a lot of bad people roaming around. And then my mom decided to say to me, "Stay here, and I'll come back for you. Don't go anywhere. I'll be back soon." I was six. <laughs> it was a wild market in Baguio. So she left, and I saw, colorful, I saw colorful toys in one stall. And then I saw kids my age playing in the other stall. 
Now, I was lost in thought, but little did I know that my feet were going where my eyes were going too. I, can, I remember it vividly because it was so traumatic. Now, when I realized that I moved, I couldn't remember where I was supposed to be. That was the problem. Like, where was I supposed to wait for my mom? And then panic set in. And then, you know, again, I was six. I didn't have a watch. And even if I did, I probably wouldn't know how to read it. And I, the soon, I'll be back soon. You know, it was told to me in Tagalog, babalik din ako, mabilis, right? Mabilis, you know, it's like soon. What is soon? So I, my fear was like, I, I think my mom missed me. She came back and she missed me because I moved. So I panicked. Now, similar, it's similar when we stray from God's clear commands. It were, it's all spelled out. It's not like we, don't, we didn't understood it. We did. We're told to, to stay away from, from certain things. We're told to not yoke with unbelievers. We're told to not get drunk. We're told to do certain things there. It's clear. But our eyes get attracted to colorful things in the world. And then when our, when our eyes are attracted, our feet starts moving to the things that are attractive. We are drawn. Wandering is an accumulation of small steps that further us away from the Lord, from His will and His ways. You see this? Before the fall, before 3.6, this was what the lie was. No, you won't, the snake replied. God understands what will happen on the day you eat fruit from that tree. You will see what you have done, and you will know the difference between right and wrong, just as God does. The lie is that God is not good. That God is holding us back from good things in this life. The lie that the world is saying is, God is not after our own happiness. That God is keeping us from things that will truly make our lives so much better. That's the lie. It questions the character of God about His goodness. And it puts, point, uh, puts a different picture altogether on what the commands are. It's making your life boring. You don't have to do that. It's 2024. Why do you need to get married? Why don't you just try it out first and then maybe get married? Taxes are better when you're filing single. <laughs> I should have not said that, <laughs> come to think of it. That's the lie. Wandering from the truth is a compilation of things that are taught by the enemy and the world that we have either consciously have accepted, sometimes we have consciously accepted the, tr the lie of the, the world, or we have that implanted in our subconscious minds. This is why the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12 too, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. There is no way around it. We have to battle the lies of the enemy with the promises of God. There's no other way of doing it. If you have a cocaine addiction, you can't sniff yourself out of that addiction. You have to find another way to replace that addiction that you are in. The lies of the enemy are prevalent in this world. And we, unfortunately, even us Christians have accepted it. Or there is one of us, or it's us, that we have succumbed to the lie. Now, there's plenty, right? There's plenty of examples to, to, to tackle. But here's one. Proverbs 23, 20 to 21, the voice version, translation. Do not spend time with heavy wine drinkers or those who gorge themselves on meat. For both the drunk and the glutton will end up broke, sleeping life away and clothed in rags. See, imagine... The, the directive is, stay away. See it? Don't even be with them. But what do we do? Oh, I'm supposed to share. I'm going to share. Jesus, you know, spent time with, with, the, with the drunks. <laughs> he, he did, but he had a purpose and he was strong. When you go to those things, you got to be strong. You got to be ready. You got to be, you have to be purposeful that I'm going to go there and I know there's going to be drinking. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be purposeful in sharing. And if you say I can't survive that, don't go. Now we go back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. A few verses before chapter, uh, verse 16 and 17 that we read earlier. The context of when Paul reminded Timothy about the scripture being God-breathed, that it is a set of instructions for rebuking and for teaching, is this. This is the context of it. And know this. In the last days, times will be hard. You see, the world will be filled with narcissistic, money-grubbing, pretentious, arrogant, and abusive people. They will rebel against their parents and will be ungrateful, unholy, uncaring, cold-hearted, accusing, without restraint, savage, and haters of anything good. Expect them to be treacherous, reckless, swollen with self-importance, and given to loving pleasure more than they love God. The hedonist, right? Even though they may look or act like godly people, they're not. They deny His power. I tell you, stay away from the likes of these. Again, you see the command? The directive is, don't be with them. Stay away. But look at verse 5. Even though they may look or act godly people. They could be in our midst, right? They could be calling themselves Christians. And, and this is what is, is the importance for us believers is to recognize because we are to judge one another remember we are not to judge the outside but we are to judge one another judge to help one another not judge to condemn each other but to judge to help each person each 
fallen brother or sister, to call them out on their sin, to restore them. I think that's clear. No, everybody can wonder. Now the second point. The big idea of the message. Search and rescue. Now did you know that the Oregon Health and Science University researchers find that time is best predictor of survival in search and rescue missions. And it's after two days, chances of finding lost people alive are slim. My goodness. That, there is a time frame. And they've done the research, so that's pure data. The worst thing is, if you're the one who's lost, and no one is looking for you, right? Because you've lived your life so selfishly that you've never said hello to anybody. You have no routine. You have no relationships with anyone. You've been dead and lost for two weeks. And the only time somebody figured out that you were lost is because you missed a payment because you owed them money. That's the worst, right? Now look at this again. Whoever turns, it says there, if one of you should wonder from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from their death, from death and cover over a multitude of sins. How soon do we respond to a fellow believer who is straying or wandering away from the faith? How soon? My, my humble opinion, as soon as possible. As soon as, you, as that you've noticed it. But there is a caveat. There's a however here. However, we have to make sure that our heart's intention is to save them. If you look at that verse, it says there, yeah, respond, rescue. If you see someone straying away, rescue to save so that you can save them from the consequences of their sin. Because there is sin, there, is, there are consequences, right? Again, the chastisement to us, we're not spared from. We are spared from the eternal damnation. We're justified. But as we're sinning, as Christians, we sin still, unfortunately. There's chastisement, there's consequences. And this is what Paul said. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person. That's the word is. Everybody say it. Thank you. A couple of people. Let's do it all again. What's the word? Gently. Now, I don't do gentle, unfortunately. So I have to pray for God to make me gentle. We should restore that person gently. And then it says here, there's a caution here, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. See, I think the tendency there is once you do it out of judgment, once you do it out of the harsh judgment, like I knew it, this person is a hypocrite. I knew it. I knew he was still gambling. I knew he was still going to the strip clubs. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. You're like celebrating and gloating. And then all of a sudden, you fall on the same sin that you judge that person. That's the caution that Paul is saying. 
And the second verse says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Both apostles, James and Paul, says the same thing. That if you know a brother or sister who has fallen, we are to restore them. In Paul's letter to the Galatian church, he had the word, word gently. Gently. Gentleness, which implies humility and implies meekness. Meekness is strength under control. Our hearts must, to, must have the win, to win the brother, not to condemn them. Now, we are given instructions by Jesus himself on how we are to deal with sin within the church, within the church family. It's here in Matthew 18, 15 to 17. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. It starts between the two people. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. That's when it gets ugly. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Now, Christianity, Christian life, isn't a private life. Do you agree? Now, again, I said it last week, I think. In regards to our salvation, that's personal. That's independent. No one else can do that for you. But in regards to our sanctification, our growth in faith, in our faith, it is interpersonal. And it is interdependent with one another. My growth in my faith depends on you guys and vice versa. We will cause each other to, to we, we, should, we could cause each other to fall, to stumble, or we could be each other's building block. This is why the importance of church membership is emphasized by both James and Paul. Belonging to a local church is key for everyone's growth to know who we are and who they are is one important point of belonging to a church. In order for a search and rescue to happen, one person must know that the other person is missing. Do you agree? And that person must report it to the, the proper authorities. Someone was, was keen enough to realize that that person did not go home, did not go to work, was not that was not their normal routine. They usually call me back after 15, 15 missed calls. We were not fighting today. There's no point of her not calling me back. There is something wrong, right? If you're in a relationship with someone, they know that. This is why church is important. Now, I'm not... Like, honestly, I, w I only want to do what God wants us to do. And this is one of his directives, is that every Christian must belong to a church. That's why our church has taken this seriously from day one. Now, here's the last part of the instruction of Jesus in regards to church discipline. Again, truly, I tell you that if two 
If two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, gather in my name, there I will be with them. We usually, unfortunately, we have used this incorrectly. We think that if we all pray together in agreement about a certain thing, God then agrees with us. But you see, the full context of this was about church discipline. You see, if you, if you go back to the other verses earlier, you will see that there is this one particular brother and sister that the whole church were trying to, to, to persuade to stop living in sin or stop doing the, the sin that they were, they were doing. But that person was very rebellious, very, very uh, adamant that he, was, he or she was not going to turn. And the instruction was, let him go. But this is, this is the final effort. This is the final love language or final love effort of the church to tell the brother or sister, listen, please turn. Because if you don't, we can, we're going to have to let you go. Ephesians 1, 22 to 23. God put everything under Christ's power and made him head over everything for the church. And then look at the, the, the importance of the church. The church is Christ's body. It is filled with him. He makes everything complete in every way. As a church, we believe that the Bible is without error. Amen? All of the ordinances, all of the commandments, all of the directives we obey. This is why we take, again, this is why we take church membership seriously. It is not to accumulate more members, but it is to obey God's word. The best way for one to grow in faith is by belonging to a church. And the best way to be rescued from the time when we are wandering is if we... <laughs> belong to a church because that brother or sister that recognizes that we are straying away the responsibility is given to that spiritual be spiritual person right the rescuing part belongs to the one who is listening the rescuing part is the belongs to the one who is obeying third point Showing love to the lost. Verse 20. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. It is everyone, it is everyone in the church's responsibility to restore that brother or sister. It's not just the pastor's or the deacon's responsibility. It is everyone so here at our church we try we try like for some odd reason i i i i, I know now who's not here on a sunday i always found that uh, amazing when pastor julius used to do it because we would have the names of the people that missed sunday he would have their names there on the list and i, I would look at jamie and i would say how did he know all these people were missing and then now I have that. But there are times that I still forget. I forget many things, actually. But the prayer warriors help me uh, pray for, for those who have not attended for quite some time. 
And from time to time, they reach out to you. From time to time, I reach out to you. Sometimes I, I do it through text. Sometimes I do it through a phone call. If uh, you haven't blocked me, your phone will ring. <laughs> I feel like some have blocked my number. And that's okay. <laughs> you know, 1 Peter 4.8 reads, Most important of all, love each other deeply. Because love makes you willing to forgive many sins. You see, to restore a brother or sister who has wandered away, it, it, it's not just a fancy way, a, a word to use, rescue. No, because they are getting in trouble. The importance of it, or the gravity of it, is how true it is for you. If you know that God is holy... If you know that God must be taken seriously, if you know that God is just, you are going to be very, you will have that urgency. And if you love that person that you know is sinning, you will have that urgency with love to bring them back. But I get it. See, the, the, the times that I have put myself on the line to tell a brother or a sister about the sin that they're getting into, I know what I'm risking there. I'm risking my relationship with them. And, 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 but at the, at the same time, if, you, if we are to be like Christ, right? That's what we said, to, to know Christ, to be like Him. And Christ... Though he knew what punishment he was going to go through, he still took on upon the cross. He did not see, he did not think about his well-being at that point because for him, the importance of saving us was higher than, his, than for his well-being. So it should be the same for us, right? We are to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second commandment is like it, to love others as we love ourselves. We would only do that if we want someone else to do that for us, if we're the one who's about to jump off the cliff. But without love from God overflowing in our hearts, we will be selfish. We would want to mind our own business. Right? You know what? I never liked him anyway. Let him jump off the cliff. You know what? She's really damaging anyway. She's just mosa anyway. She ruined everything here. Let her. Sometimes there's, a, there's that con condemnation, right? That we just, just fine. But if God has put it upon our hearts and we were able to discern as we read this directive from James and Paul, we recognize someone falling, in love and with gentleness, we are to say, listen, you're straying away. And the person who's receiving that, someone actually recognized that you are straying away. That means someone's paying attention. That means God is speaking to you through that person. You know, uh, the restoration and the love being lost and being found, I can't help but to go to the prodigal son. 
And I just, I'm just going to read a few verses of it. But to give a quick background for those of you who are not familiar with it, is there was this son, uh, there was a father who had two sons. The younger one said, Father, I'm, I want my inher- inheritance. I'm going to treat you as if you were already dead. Give me my inheritance. And the father gave him his, his half of the share. And he lived a very crazy life, a wild life. He, he moved to Vegas. <laughs> I don't know. Vegas is the wild city in my head. I don't know. Maybe, there, maybe there's something wilder now. Um, moved to Vegas. And then when he was broke and he was hurting, and he said, I'm going to go back. I, I'm broke. I'm hurting. I'm hungry. The servants of my, my dad in our ranch eats better than me. I should just go back there and be a, become his servant. Become his servant because he, think, he thought that he didn't deserve his father's love. So read, we'll begin on verse, uh, verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, the prodigal, and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He didn't know. He he knew he was, he made up his mind that he didn't deserve his father's love because he strayed away that far. Look at the response of the father. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. A couple of things here. I don't know if you have wandered away and this is the time that God is telling you to just come back because he is always like the father in the parable that Jesus shared. The father was always waiting for his son, looking out his window because from a far away distance, he came running to his son. Now we're going back to me when I got lost when I was six. So I was lost. I didn't know where my mom was. I didn't know. Maybe she missed me. It was getting dark. A lot of crazy people in the market. I'm six, right? So what, one thing I remember was, because in the Philippines, there's a, a station, right? There's a jeepney station. This is where, wherever, what neighborhood you go or, or you live in, the jeepneys always travel there. So I went to that jeepney station. But there were two there were two streets that I needed to cross, and these were all busy streets. So that was the danger. I I played like frog, you know that frog game, the frogger? No. I waited. What I did was I waited for all the people to cross, and I just walked right next to them. And then when I hit the station, when I got to the station, I started crying there. I just started crying. I sat in the, sat in the corner and started crying. Cried my, my heart out. The saving grace was my jacket. In the Philippines, if you go to a, 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 you know, the private schools, they have the jacket and you have their name written there. 
So my name, Georgette, was there. The first time that I, I thank God for my name. Because my cousin, who was riding in a jeepney, saw a boy crying, looked at the boy, and saw the name Georgette. And she goes, Georgette? And I looked up, and she got me and took me home. You know, God knows your name. God knows each and every one of us by our names. That if we just keep crying to him, if we're just going to cry to him, all our hurts and our pains, and we're just going to tell him, I'm lost, Lord. I'm just, I'm down. I'm beaten up. I have no strength, Lord God. Help me, Lord. He's going to call you by your name, and he's going to say, bring the best robe and put it on him. Friends, that is who our God is. And that is how God treats us all the time. And that is how we're supposed to treat our brothers and sisters who are wandering away. Amen? Amen. That is our message this evening, this afternoon. Thank you very much for your patience. As the music team make their way up here, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you have not done that, you are still very much condemned with your sin. But God has paid for your sins already. He already has paid for it. So if you want to do that and want to be saved from the consequences of your sin and experience a different life, a new life, a life with Christ, and experience the life that is beyond, beyond your wildest imagination, accept Him as your Lord and Savior and be forgiven. Repent from your sins and be saved. Come up so we can lead you to that prayer. If you have been visiting us for quite some time and the Lord has impressed it in your heart to become a part of this church, please come up so we can recognize you. Or if you just need prayer, because you need to be restored, your love needs to be restored, your blinders have been taken away this, this afternoon and you want God to help you see more of His truth, come up so we can pray for you. Amen? Let's all rise as we close us in prayer. Father, we thank you for your message for us. We thank you for your love for us. We pray that your love for us will overflow in us, Lord God, so that our brothers and sisters who we know that are wondering, we pray for boldness, Lord God, and that we will have love for them too. The same love that overflows through us, which is from you. Pure love, Lord God relentless, Lord God. I pray, Father God, that we will have that for them. Help us, Lord God, with our words. Help us with our gentleness. Help us to become loving and gentle to them. And I pray for that wandering brother and sister, Lord God. I pray for humility for them. I pray that you will open their hearts and minds for correction from your word and from their brothers and sisters. And Father, I pray for the sick, Lord. I pray for healing for them. I pray for broken relationships, Lord God. Please restore them. And I pray, Father God, for those who are discouraged, encourage them, Lord. And I pray for those who are under attack, Father, from the enemy. I pray that you just rescue them, Lord God. Please rescue them. And Father, I pray, Lord God, for blessings for your people. Guide us this whole afternoon and protect us as we drive home. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.